0: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Welcome back to another Journal Club with your thoracic surgery team from Swedish Medical Center. I'm Megan Lenahan, and as always, I'm joined by the esteemed doctors Brian Louie and Peter White. We are lucky enough to also have Kelly Doss here, a newly-minted second-year resident who is interested in cardiothoracic surgery. She's going to help us explore our topic, and today we will be talking about procedural management of achalasia, specifically making the decision between heller myotomy with partial fundiplication and per-oral endoscopic myotomy, also known as POEM. So let's start off with a case.
1: All right, so you see a 50-year-old, otherwise healthy man in clinic, referred by his PCP for dysphagia. He's had three to four years of food getting stuck in his chest most days. He feels a pressure. He regurgitates two to three times a week. He tells you this long story about how he has to get up when he eats and walk around and flap his arms and jump up and down. Uh, And initially it was just to solids, but it's progressed, and now he's having trouble getting liquids down as well. Uh, so Kelly, obviously this is an achalasia talk, you know where I'm headed, but before we get there, what other things are on your differential?
2: Although it's a longer time frame of progressive symptoms, dysphagia is always an alarm symptom and cancer has to be considered. There's also hiatal hernias, GERD, or intrinsic esophageal dysmotilities like eosinophilic esophagitis or scleroderma.
1: Oh great, Megan. So. Right off the bat, you're suspicious of achalasia. They always have a long story about how they eat, and it's very different than anyone else. So that really gives you an idea. And that points out to how important getting a good history is. It's really important to talk about all of their symptoms and what they do to manage it. So now that you suspect achalasia, what type of workup are you planning to get?
0: Mm -hmm. For these patients, you'll typically get an esophagram, and our group usually includes a timed barium swallow, you may see on that upstream dilation or the classic bird beak sign of narrowing near the GE junction. Then I would get an EGD, and that can show pseudoachalasia from a mass or a stricture or if the patient has a hiatal hernia. And When you do that, if they do have achalasia, the GE junction will be narrowed, and you'll classically feel that pop sensation as you traverse the GE junction. And then high-resolution manometry is going to be my gold standard for making the diagnosis. So this determines what type of achalasia the patient has. I would say the history, timed barium, and manometry are the three key factors to making that diagnosis, though. Well,
3: that's a great start. And for those of you who aren't familiar with a timed barium swallow, this is a swallow where the patient drinks a set amount of contrast, usually about 200 to 250 cc's, and they drink it quickly. And then the radiologist measures the height and width of the columns at 1, 2, and 5 minutes. And a normal esophagus will largely clear the contrast by within 1 minute. And though it's still considered normal at 5, most people will clear it within 1 minute. In this patient that we're talking about, he has columns of barium of 18, 19, and 15 centimeters with widths of 3.4, 3.1, and 2.8 centimeters at this 1, 2, and 5-minute time frame. You can also see a bird's beak. His endoscopy showed a mildly dilated esophagus, no masses. We had to put a little pressure on the scope to get it to go through the GE junction. The mucosa looked entirely normal, and there was no hiatal hernia we got the monometry study that showed an integrated relaxation pressure or an IRP of 24 and our protocol normal is less than 15. All of the swallows had failed peristalsis. They had panesophageal pressurization and for that we classified this as type 2 achalasia. So before we begin to, to jump into the management, let's talk about the few basics of achalasia. Kelly, what is type 2 and what are the other two types?
2: Yeah, so the types of achalasia is based on our manometry findings. They all have a non-relaxing lower esophageal sphincter, which is measured by a high IPR or integrated relaxation pressure. Type 1 is classic achalasia with a non-relaxing LES without any esophageal pressurization. Type 2 achalasia has esophageal pressurization on greater than 20% of swallows. And type 3 includes spastic esophageal contractions.
1: So for achalasia, most cases are essentially idiopathic because we don't understand the exact cause. Uh, there's degeneration of the myenteric nerve plexus, leads to impaired relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter. Essentially at baseline, the sphincter is tight to help prevent acid reflux, and if you get rid of the nerves, it never gets that signal to relax like it should with a normal swallow. It's thought that there is an autoimmune component uh, that may occur after an infectious insult, but it's really not well understood. So when we talk about treatment to patients, we describe it as palliative. There is no known cure, and what we do really just improves their symptoms. We can't make those nerves work again. So treatments, while they dramatically improve symptoms and can prevent dilation of the upstream esophagus, uh, so symptoms can or treatments. Uh, could be systemic medications, but those are largely ineffective. So really that leaves us with what can we do mechanically to open a non-relaxing lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, so Megan, what are our main treatment options for achalasia?
2: The way
0: I think about treatment, um, there's Botox, which paralyzes the muscle, and then there's some version of a myotomy. So pneumatic dilation creates a myotomy, it's just an uncontrolled myotomy. A Heller myotomy cuts the muscle from the outside, and then a poem cuts the muscle from the inside.
3: So did you guys know that Dr. Heller, Ernst Heller, initially described his myotomy just over 100 years ago? And when he first did it, he played with the myotomy on both sides of the G-junction. And that, of course, has evolved over time to the myotomy we know now, which is done anteriorly, and the partial fundification added, which is now the gold standard for a treatment for the last 20-some years poem was first described by Dr. Inoue from Japan in 2010, and it set the world on fire with endoscopic surgery as, an, as its example.
0: Thank you, Dr. Louie. I love some good surgical history. Back to our case, how are we going to counsel this otherwise healthy person?
3: Well, if I'm talking to patients, I usually describe the three main options. I always start with pneumatic dilation, uh, and I compare it to surgical myotomy, but that, the pneumatic component is a separate discussion uh, separate from this topic. So for this young and otherwise healthy patient, we tend to focus on the laparoscopic helomyotomy with partial fundification versus pollen. There are not really a lot of absolute contraindications except the inability to undergo general anesthesia or the ability to safely hold anticoagulation. Uh, you should also exercise caution for either procedure in patients who've had radiation, severe pulmonary disease, coagulopathy, thrombocytopenia, previous endoscopic mucosal resection and, in, and the big common one cirrhosis with portal hypertension is a particular problem.
1: Yeah, if, if both treatments are essentially equally viable for a patient then when deciding between these modalities uh, we have to bring up the New England Journal of Medicine paper by Werner et al. from Hamburg uh, recently published in 2019 It's the only randomized trial we have that compares POEM to laparoscopic Heller myotomy, and for them, they did a DOOR fund application. While the sample size wasn't enormous, they did randomize 112 patients to POEM and 109 patients to the Heller myotomy. So Kelly, why don't you tell us a bit more about this trial?
2: Sure. As you mentioned, it was set up as a randomized control trial at eight different European centers that recruited adult patients with symptomatic achalasia. Patients had to have manometry findings consistent with achalasia and an Eckert symptom score above 3.
3: Let me interrupt again, Kelly. Megan, can you tell us about the Eckert score and what it means? Because it's going to come up again and again.
2: Sure. So this score
0: assigns a value from 0 to 3 based on frequency of dysphagia, regurgitation, and chest pain, as well as the amount of weight loss a patient has had. So for they'll have a total score ranging from 0 to 12, with 0 being no symptoms at all and 12 being very severe.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Megan. That helps a lot. Uh, And so in the study, patients were excluded if they had previous foregut surgery, secondary achalasia, or other causes for their dysphagia. However, if they had previously undergone endoscopic treatment, they were allowed to participate in the trial. They followed up patients um, on reported outcomes at 3, 6, 12, and 24 months, and patients underwent endoscopy, manometry, and pH testing at the 3 and 24-month marks. Their primary outcome was the change in this Eckert score symptom, um, with a good response being less than or equal to 3. Their secondary outcomes included GI quality of life scores, IRP of the LES, GERD and esophagitis, PPI use, and need for re-intervention, and periprocedural data such as procedural time and and length of stay.
1: Oh, great, Kelly. That's a nice summary. So, Megan, what did they find with the study?
0: We'll start with clinical success defined by the Eckert score. Um, And that was pretty similar between the two groups with 83% in the POEM group having that Eckert score of less than three and 81.7% in the Heller group at two years. So that demonstrates non-inferiority of POEM. Um, The IRP and GI quality of life index were about the same serious adverse events happened in 2.7% of the POEM group and 3.7% of the Heller group. Uh, but the authors do point out that it wasn't really powered to detect differences in these complications. And then lastly, there was more reflux esophagitis in the poem group. At 3 months and 24 months, it was 57% and 44% respectively, which is a bit higher than the Heller group, was, which was 20% and 29% at 3 months and 24 months respectively. Interestingly, the pH monitoring off of PPIs showed pretty similar rates of abnormal reflux in both groups, and that's using mean acid exposure time at a pH of less than four. And then there were more patients in the Poem group that were otherwise on PPIs post procedurally.
3: Well, you know, this is a pretty good study, and it's the only published randomized control trial comparing Poem and Heller. And well, as Peter said, the, the numbers aren't huge. They are pretty good at about just over 100 in each. And my takeaway from this is that the ability to improve swallowing uh, from achalasia is pretty similar between a laparoscopic heller myotomy and door and POEM. POEM seems to be low risk, seems to be well tolerated. Um, and heller similarly so. But Like we've seen in our own clinical experience and with other non-randomized trials, POEM seems to put you at a higher risk for reflux esophagitis. Uh, And I'm still trying to digest in this study the pH monitoring and why they seem to be similar. Uh, And um, I think you still need more data to sort
1: of show what that's going to be, particularly long term. Right, because there's some other studies that have demonstrated that the pH scores are, are different, where the pH scores and Demeester scores after POEM are generally higher than laparoscopic Heller myotomy.
3: Yeah, I, and I think that's going to be heavily dependent on the sites and the centers. What's their POEM technique? What's their Heller technique? What's their DOOR technique? And so these may be the, the learning points around these various
1: trials. And that actually brings us up to a little bit of our next point. So beyond the clinical success, we do have to talk about technical complications for the procedure and this risk of GERD and esophagitis, as well as the durability of these interventions. So as far as complications, we already talked about it really wasn't powered to detect a significant difference. They're fairly infrequent complications. Both were quite well tolerated. But if you look across the rest of the literature, which is largely retrospective reviews, uh, adverse events hover around 3% uh, and similar or less common in patients uh, undergoing heller myotomy. So, technically, we talk a little bit about myotomy length, um, but really uh, that technique is in evolution. So the original poem was described uh, by Dr. Anyway uh, with at least an 8-centimeter myotomy in total with six to seven centimeters on the esophageal side and two to three centimeters on the gastric cardia side. Uh, For Heller myotomy, uh, at least in the New England Journal paper, it included a six centimeter myotomy on the esophagus and two to three centimeters on the cardia, so generally a shorter one. Uh, And even more uh, commonly, we'll see a total myotomy length of about six centimeters with four on the esophagus and two on the gastric cardia side.
3: Well, Peter, I think you've highlighted one of the more evolving portions of, of achalasia surgery. And in um, this concept of myotomy length, early on in the poem experience, the myotomy length was all over the map. It, it was as short as six total, but there were some reports of, of 14 and 15 centimeter myotomies, which seemingly was way too long. And so uh, there was a recent study from... Uh, a group out of China with Gu as the first author published in GI endoscopy last year. Uh, And again, another randomized trial where they randomized patients with type 2 achalasia to undergo POEM. And they divided them into two groups, a long myotomy, 7 to 8 centimeters on the esophagus, or a short myotomy, 3 to 4 centimeters on the esophagus side. And both groups had a 2 to 3 centimeter gastric myotomy. Their primary outcome was the Eckerd score, and for this, there was no difference between the groups. Improvement in swallowing was well over 90% for both groups. They had similar improvements in the basal LES pressures, the IRP improvement, and quality of life. The big differences were procedure time was obviously shorter with a shorter myotomy, but most importantly, acid exposure based on pH monitoring at one year Forty-four percent of patients in the standard myotomy had abnormal acid exposure, but when you went to the three to four centimeter myotomy, only twenty-four percent of that shorter myotomy group had GERD. And what's interesting is that when we learned my poem back in 2013, Dr. Swanstrom had already taught us that the soft tissue myotomy length should be around three to four cent, about four centimeters. And we always sort of went with a 2- to 3-centimeter gastroenteromy. So while this group is trying to shorten the myotomy, there were a lot of surgeons that learned this from Dr. Swanstrom who were already at a short myotomy length. And the question really is, is can we get shorter with POEM to balance out the reflux and the palliation of swallowing?
1: Right, and we won't get into it here, but for those that are interested, there is endoflip, which can give you real time measurement of the distensibility. So you look at overall size versus pressure, and you can actually tailor the length of, my, of the myotomy specifically to until you re- relieve the um, pressure based on uh, the endoflip uh, and even go shorter, thereby potentially reducing esophagitis uh, and acid reflux even further.
0: Thinking about the two procedures, the logic fits for me that you would have more GERD patients undergoing POEM because you're taking away their LES and you don't have the anti-reflux procedure as you're often doing after your helleromyotomy.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes perfect sense. You're adding a fundoplication, which we know reduces reflux uh, to one procedure and the other procedure you don't. So when we look at results of the New England paper, uh, we see just under half of POEM patients with esophagitis at two years. And additionally, fifty-two percent of patients who underwent POEM were on a PPI, compared to only twenty-seven percent of those who underwent a Heller myotomy with fundoplication.
3: You know, Peter, in our own experience, um, you know, we have always thought that the myotomy being shorter would be helpful, and we have sort of stuck with a four-centimeter soft tissue myotomy and a two-centimeter gastric myotomy. And when we looked at our data back in 2019 and we looked at it across comparable outcomes, you know, we had an excellent improvement in, in swallowing based on the Eckerd score. We normalized the IRP in, in about 80%. And when we looked at re most people were free of intervention at about 80% too. So we thought we had a pretty good success, technical success at alleviating symptoms. And at that time, you know, we had about 28% of patients with GERD symptoms, 29 heads esophagitis, but still 50% of patients had abnormal dementia scores and we're still collecting data on that. So I think there's more to come as we try to perfect this operation.
2: There's some other relevant data I think that's worth mentioning here. Um, There was a meta-analysis done by Linz Moda et al published again in Surgical Endoscopy um, recently in 2021 that looked at risk factors for GERD after POEM. And of note, there was some relationship observed between the type of myotomy performed and their post-op GERD symptoms. A circular myotomy would only cut the circular muscle layer compared to a full thickness myotomy. An anterior myotomy is made between the 1 and 2 o'clock position compared to a posterior myotomy at the 5 to 6 o'clock position. And this meta-analysis found that circular and anterior myotomies trended towards less GERD, though this didn't quite reach statistical significance with p-values of 0.06 and 0.07, respectively.
3: We try to stay circular muscle myotomy we try to stay anterior but when you get to the GE junction and you've got class fibers going one way collar sling going mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. sometimes it's really difficult to know that you've taken only circular or not because it all blends together right. yeah. so to- that's going to be hard to tease Quality out in controls, a, it's yeah. going to be hard to tease out of the meta analysis you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it does highlight some of the issues that people are working on mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Going back to the New England Journal paper, as far as the durability of POEM, these patients were followed for 24 months, which is a decent length of follow-up compared to other studies and when you consider how long the procedure has been around for. Uh, On the other hand, we do have Heller's procedure that's been around since 1913, as Dr. Louis mentioned, and there's a lot more literature out there demonstrating long-term success that we just are not going to be able to replicate yet for POEM. So our patient is 50 years old and will likely be living with this for several decades, uh, making durability pretty important. McKay et al. from Portland published last year in Surgical Endoscopy, their outcomes beyond five years. They actually had a mean follow-up closer to six years, and they had 80% success in achalasia patients undergoing POEM. 93% of the patients were satisfied with their symptom improvement as well. So we are starting to see some promising long-term results that I think that I think are worth mentioning for
1: this. Yeah, and when you look at that paper, how are they defining success for those eighty uh, percent?
0: That's a great point. A lot of definitions for success out there, but we're of course going to bring it back to that Eckhart score of less than three. They also included that they were free from additional intervention at five years. They didn't have data, of course, for their post-op incident of GERD, which. Um, we'd love to be able to discuss so so hopefully we'll hear have some more long-term data on that um in the future
3: you know uh, we talked a lot about the Eckerd score and I would tell you that that I find that score to be a poor general outcome for achalasia management and I think it's better to use a number of endpoints, particularly for achalasia, of which ECKERT is only one of them, because mm-hmm. it fails to address certain things. And so, while we, while everybody seems to use it, um, there is a push and a movement to get away from sole primary outcome with just the ECKERT score. Sure. And so, this will be an interesting, an interesting feature to achalasia research over the next little while.
2: Yeah. So this has been such a great discussion, and there's obviously so many factors to consider. I'm so interested to hear what would you all choose or recommend for yourself or your patient.
0: I don't know. I think I think I might go with the poem, only if Dr. Louie agrees to do it um, and see how it goes. I don't feel like you burn burn too much of a bridge there. I can always have a Dr. White do my Heller later.
1: Well, your fundoplication when you've got severe esophagitis <laughs> in five years. Yeah, sure. So generally when I'm counseling a patient, I I break it down like we've already discussed. The symptom relief between a poem and a laparoscopic Heller is going to be basically equivalent. Yes, we have more long-term data with the Heller, but realistically, you're doing a myotomy in either way. You're cutting the muscle. So a poem should really last a similar length of time Mm. compared to a Heller. So the things that are really different is, one, a Heller is external incisions. So there is that recovery aspect. There is the um, aspect of uh, post-surgical recovery where they may miss longer from work. It may take them longer to get back to a normal activity level. Although you do have to remember physiologically, it is the same thing for the patient. You're still cutting the muscle. You're just still changing the physiology. You're changing how they swallow. You're changing the reflux rates. Um, So it's not that a POEM isn't an operation, they just don't have external incisions. Uh, Additionally, I do talk about the reflux rate. So in someone who's young, you do have to tell them you've got a 50% chance you're going to be on long-term, potentially lifelong proton pump inhibitors because of the acid reflux after a POEM. Whereas the reflux after a heller myotomy with either an anterior door fundoplication or a posterior partial fund application, their overall reflux rate is going to be less. And when you lay it out like that, in general, I've had younger patients tend to favor getting the standard laparoscopic heller myotomy with fundoplication, largely because of that reflux rate. And they really don't like the idea of having to be on a medication for the rest of their life. Brian, uh, what would you say?
3: You know, Peter, I I think that's pretty close to what I tell patients, too. I think the relief of dysphagia is the same. So I I don't have a problem with either operation to relieve dysphagia. But I do think the reflux issue right now favors the Heller door uh, because it's less. And so for younger patients, I tend to go down that pathway. Uh, if you're a little older or you're not concerned with taking PPIs, which are generally thought to be safe, but patients have their own opinions about PPIs and taking medications, you could choose a poem. You would do pretty well with a poem as long as you're one of those folks who doesn't get reflux and whatnot, but you can always have a laparoscopic operation downstream if you needed it. Uh, and I'm always impressed that some patients get a poem and don't need anything. Um, and so for now, I give the option to the patients, but for younger patients, I encourage uh, a laparoscopic myotomy impartial. And if you're over 50, uh, I think you could go with any choice you wanted.
1: Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about is that there are certain patients where POEM makes absolute better sense. So if they've had multiple prior abdominal operations, maybe they had uh, prior gastric ulcer or ruptured appendicitis or abdominal trauma going back through the belly probably doesn't make as much sense as being able to do it endoscopically and then we haven't really talked about well what happens when it fails and they get recurrent symptoms well yes you start with a pneumatic dilation oftentimes successful with that but if that's not successful and you think you need to repeat a myotomy or you suspect they had an incomplete myotomy the first time well then it's really helpful to do the opposite if they had a lapeller before doing a poem this time around avoids all that scar tissue. Or if they had a poem the first time, then you could do a lapeller the second time again, avoiding the location potentially of the prior myotomy. Although some poems are done anterior, so you still have to contend with that.
3: You know, you bring up one, you bring up a very good thought, Peter, about where, where we might not use it. And in, in a patient who has a hiatal hernia, Poem is, in my opinion, a no go because mm-hmm. the reflux after poem in a patient with hiatal hernia sure. will be severe, and so you have to you have to be you have to be certain that your endoscopy shows that you have a, a grade one or two hill valve at most and no hiatal hernia because mm-hmm. the minute you get the hiatal hernia, the reflux will be very tough, uh, and you'll be on PPIs for certain after that situation. So that's the one place where I'm very cautious about poem if the patient
1: has a hiatal hernia. Right. like If you don't fix that diaphragm for the hiatal hernia, I agree, they're, they're for sure going to have terrible reflux. Let's close it up.
0: Thanks for another great discussion. To read more from the papers we mentioned today, please check out the show notes. Thanks again to Behind the Knife, and as always, dominate the day.